me saying I was in love with a Middle Eastern woman would have been a shock in and of itself. But the fact that she was from another religion was just another another blow that I don't think that they could have ever expected. My name's Clara, and this is Sandstone. Sandstone is a storytelling podcast that seeks to understand the nuanced worlds of Arabia and Appalachia and the people that call these places home. In the last episode of Sandstone, we heard about my childhood growing up in West Virginia as an evangelical Christian farm child and how when men in turbans waged war on my God, my family, and my country, my middle school self was determined to stop them. Inspired by an active imagination and a spoonful of spite, I resolved to join the FBI, take down Osama bin Laden, and save the world from evil. And this plan was going quite well, until I met Kafa, a Yemeni woman, and the kindest person I had ever met. My name is Kafa, and I am from Yemen. Kafa spent a year in the quiet town of West Liberty, West Virginia, attending classes at the university, tolerating the joys of cafeteria food and communal bathrooms, and experiencing the average life of an American college student. But when the year came to a close, Kafa returned to Yemen, And this is what she went back to. The war in Yemen has devolved into a full-fledged humanitarian crisis. Malnutrition and disease are killing more than 100 children every day. And now a cholera epidemic is spreading. Kafa packed up her dorm room, drove windy West Virginia back roads to the Pittsburgh airport, and just a flight, a layover, and a landing away, she was home. But it was different than she remembered, because her country now was a headline. It was a war, a famine, an epidemic. Chaos and conflict welcomed her into her own home. They had moved in while she was away, unwanted guests that refused to leave. And circumstances of war are so foreign to our first world reality that it's hard to imagine what Kafa might have felt in these moments. But among a dramatic assortment of emotions, most of us can relate to at least one, the feeling of love. You see, when Kafa left West Virginia, she left behind a piece of her heart in the safekeeping of a young man. A young man who didn't quite know what to do with it. I couldn't make up my mind about so many things. I was afraid to jump into anything. My name is Andrew and I am from West Virginia. Kafa and Andrew met at a picnic put on by the multicultural organization on campus. Andrew was helping with games, and Kafa had volunteered to share a traditional Yemeni dish, shikshuke, which is basically fancy scrambled eggs. He tried, he liked, he said, oh, it's good, it's delicious. 
I feel like recently people have been overly critical of eggs. They've been getting a lot of heat because apparently they're high in fat and cholesterol and they probably cause cancer, blah, 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 blah. But what they don't tell you is that eggs are very effective in the romance department. Just serve them up to that special someone and the game is over, easy and sunny side up. At least that's how it worked for them. We spent pretty much the whole time together while yeah. we were there. Uh, all the time we're talking, it was easy. I, I haven't talked much with anyone like as I did with Andrew before. He's, how to say, safe. It's safe for me to talk with him. He looked like a good gentleman. And then I asked him if he can help me with English. He said, okay, so that was very nice of him. And then we started from there. Relationship, kind of a thing where it, it, it took a long time. Yeah, it took a long <laughs> and so, by the end of the time that you were at West Liberty, were you dating? That's a really good question. And even in retrospect, <laughs> it's, it's a hard question to answer because one of the things, one of the pitfalls was the cultural snafus. Because by the time I realized, like, I think I might like this girl, but Am I allowed to? Like, what's the cultural, what's the religious implications? Like, I didn't know what to do. I didn't even know if I should bring it up, if I should say anything. We were at least talking. We were in the talking phase. <laughs> but she really didn't have any any clue of how American dating went. So I don't know what your perspective would have been. We've gone walks several times at night. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at the sky, looking at the moon, counting the stars telling each other personal things, like as a close friend. I remember you talking about Andrew and being like, Andrew is such a nice friend. And I was like, hmm, that's suspicious. <laughs> Actually, inside myself, a woman is a woman. So I had a feeling, I had a crush into him. But I, I, I didn't even dare to admit that to to myself or to him. So I just say, he's just a close friend. He's a nice man. I, I didn't want to spoil the good moments with him, thinking of further ahead on our relationship. It won't work at all, like impossible. My family, they will never agree on this relationship. I just wanted to enjoy the time with him, to have a good close friend. And I think, what ended up doing it was a note that you'd written on the wall. So what finally convinced me to at least open the discussion was a note that she'd written about what did, I don't remember. It was about like uh, liking someone, but what if they didn't like you back? You weren't sure. And yeah, it wasn't a note written for me. It was just like a message that she had written herself. And I, I happened to glance at it and I was like, okay, I think, I think we'll talk about it now. <laughs> Andrew and Kafa were still in the talking phase when Kafa went back to Yemen. No moves had yet been made, and no I love yous exchanged. And now they were oceans apart, connected only by radio waves that kept cutting out. As the war started. After the war, it was difficult to make a contact as easy as it was before. And to make matters worse, 
When I came back immediately from America, they have uh, present someone uh, for me to marry me. And then I said, no, I'm not going to marry him. I don't want to be forced to get married again from someone I don't don't even know, I haven't even met. And Kafa had gone through this before. She had been proposed to and married to a man her father had chosen for her. And even though she was divorced and had a daughter, suitors were still knocking at her door. And one by one, she turned them down. And suspicions were brewing. Why didn't she accept? Either my brother's friends or friends of my dad or people from the neighborhood, they're proposing, a lot of them. I was suffering. I didn't like it because all the time he kept saying, no, no, I'm not ready, no, no, I'm not ready, this. And it's not normal. Like, okay, you're divorced, you have a child, and then not accepting to marry means there is a problem with you. Arranged marriages are common among conservative families in the region. And for a fiercely independent person like myself, this is a cultural concept that I have yet to embrace. And we might be tempted to label it backward or oppressive, but we, on the other hand, with our forward thinking, we've mechanized love. We swipe left and right, but our divorce rates still go up. We pick up, hook up, break up, and our I do's have become me too's. So, seems like we haven't quite figured out the perfect relationship recipe either. But then finally, I got enough courage to bring it up to my dad. I told him, oh oh my goodness, I I don't forget how afraid I was. I was shaking. But then, okay. My dad, actually, he respects me so much and he, he trusts me. Like, it wouldn't be the case for other women in Yemen. You have to marry and then you will marry. No matter. But my dad, he respected my desire. Especially because he thought it was his mistake with the previous marriage. It was his his choice. I told him, well, there is actually someone in my life. He was happy. Like, (laughs) I didn't expect. Like, he was happy. He smiled. Okay, good. Like, at least uh, she's fine. There's no problem with her. (laughs) Because of all the refusing for the other proposals. So he said... Let him propose. Where is he? Like, he's supposed to come to me. So I said, oh, well, he's not here. He said, okay, you mean he's not in Taiz, like he's in Sanaa or in Eden? Or I said, no, not in Yemen at all. Okay, where is he? I said, he's not a Yemen. <laughs> what? Are you going to not marry to a Yemen? I said, no. He said, okay, where is he from? Is he from Iraq, Syria, or... I said, he's American. The expression of happiness was to be shocked. You mean he's from Yemen, but he's he has American nationality? No, 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 he's American. <laughs> so so why was that so shocking for him? In, in the Yemeni culture, it's not accepted to marry someone outside of your tribe, or what's the dynamic there? I'm not going to say it never happened, but at least for my family, my family is conservative, very traditional. So 
it was unexpected. Even for me, if you would have told me before that you're going to marry American, I said, no, never, ever. I wouldn't even think of it. Like, And I told him, Dad, at the end, it's up to you. If you agree, you agree. If you don't agree, I 100% respect your desire, your final decision. I promise I won't talk to him any longer. If you say no, it's no. He liked this. He he liked what I said. Like, okay, she didn't arrange everything and she's just coming to tell me. At least she's respecting our culture. She's respecting me as her dad. So fine. So he said, okay, then when is he coming? He thought Andrew will be coming mm-hmm. to Yemen. I said, no, no, he's not coming to Yemen. No way he would come to Yemen because of the war and also because Americans are not allowed to go to Yemen. So they agreed to meet in Egypt. They hadn't seen each other in three years, and the last time they were together, they were just friends. Kind of a bold move. Yeah, so she went traveled with her father to Egypt, and then we all met. Yeah. It was in December 2016, and then... Christmas Day, I think. That was a good Christmas present. <laughs> <laughs> I got off the plane, there was a friend that uh, you, you knew from Yemen named... Uh, I love him, I love him. What's his name? What's his name? Khaled. Khaled. Khaled is very fast. Everything's go, 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 go. And so I had never met Khaled before, but he takes my suitcase, leaves me with one and says, we, we need to go, we need to go, and just takes off through the crowd. And so everything was very fast paced. Coming from small town that has two stoplights to a big city that is just absolutely full of people, buildings, it was disorienting. Uh, I was very nervous. And so I had practiced enough Speaking of what to say in Arabic, you had sent me like something that would yeah. be good to say. Her dad cut me off while I was saying it and then just gave me the kisses on both cheeks, <laughs> took my hand, helped me get into the bus, and then it was good. Everything after that, it was smooth. I think one of the most surprising things about her dad was I knew from Kafa when she was in West Liberty had talked about I was the, the unfortunate one to break the news that wrestling was fake for the most part. Uh, and so, but wrestling is pretty big in Yemen. Uh, I just didn't realize how much of a fan her father was of John Cena. So he, very limited English, he would always talk about John Cena and do the hand beating in front of his face. I don't know much about wrestling, but we connected that way. Why is wrestling so big in Yemen? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> we just watch it on the TV and it comes once a week. TV is the thing that brings the world closer to you and we love John Cena (laughs) (laughs) I just got to know that it's not real just from Andrew and still I doubt it I'm not sure (laughs) my dad loved him very much he said I don't feel even he's my son-in-law I feel he's my son like that's cool that's all I want just you like him So after bonding with Andrew over their mutual love of John Cena and Kafa Kafa's dad gives his stamp of approval. But Kafa wasn't the only one with conservative parents. They had met Kafa before, knew that she was a Muslim girl uh, from college. Even just telling them, hey, I think I want to marry this girl that you met. Remember Kafa? 
had caused some, I'd say a small amount of chaos when, when that first went down. The initial Muslim marriage was just a shock to them because they really had never met very many people outside of the U.S. as it was. My mom had worked for uh, a factory, I guess, in West Virginia that was owned and operated by Japanese Americans. And that was really her only interaction with anyone outside of the West, I think, in, in her entire life. And so just the general shock, I think, comes from they think that Christianity is the answer, and so they're worried that I'll be spending the rest of eternity burning in hell. So, of course, they're going to be upset. They're going to be worried. Do you still practice Christianity? How was that in your relationship? I, since probably high school, was having questions about my religious standing and many things and i would have doubts and constantly wonder what i'm doing i'm trying to do my best i feel like to be doing better and so it felt like tiring almost in a sense for for most of my i'd say last two years of high school went to college and so when i went to college i i hit the ground running now is my chance to be best christian i can be but again the same doubts kept coming up and so by the time I had met Kafa, I was in a position where I had pretty much stopped practicing Christianity for the most part and was more flirting with just not believing much of anything, not sure what I believed in general. Kafa was like, oh, you need to learn about uh, Islam. You need to learn that, uh, you need to learn about the truth about Jesus and all these other things. And so, knee-jerk reaction was, hey, I'm a Christian. I believe that Jesus was the Son of God. You can't say that. And then she would laugh, and I would get offended. We would have, you know, not arguments, like debates together as we were spending time together. And then I was like, I need to take this opportunity to, to at least learn. Uh, and so she, she was the one that got me interested in studying up more on Islam. She encouraged me to, to check out uh, mosques, uh, which is something I never would have done on my own, but she had reassured she had reassured me, like, if you go to the mosques, they're going to be really nice. They're not going to try to convert you or anything. We'll, we'll just discuss with you and answer any question that you have. I've met with several, several masjids. Quick pause for definitions. A masjid is a mosque. I think one in Morgantown was one. I think I went there twice, and then I ended up going to one in Huntington several times. I started practicing praying, and then in April of 2015 is when I went back to the, the, the masjid and took shahada. The shahada is the Muslim testimony of faith. It's basically the Christian equivalent of the sinner's prayer. I'm not sure exactly when I decided that Islam was what I felt like I wanted to be participating in. But once I gradually started the process of, of learning about it, and I didn't feel as as lost or confused or stressed out as I did when I was trying to to, to do the Christianity thing. I don't know. I, I don't know how to explain it. And and talking to uh, people who were Christians, it, it seems like they either know what I'm talking about or they don't know what I'm talking about. And so it's like maybe it was just a thing for me. Maybe it's, it's something that it was just my my time frame in life. I don't know. That's how it was for me. So what was the reaction from your family like? 
I still haven't really told them. I, I think that they're aware or they've at least got the inklings, but I still haven't built up the nerve to tell them. He's worried, but for me, I love his parents. No, they're great. They'll, yeah, they're, they'll they're be great. very upset. Definitely. <laughs> something, it's not something easy. They're understanding. They support us very badly. Uh, so I think they will, they will understand it. So I think they have a general idea. I just haven't actually said, hey, I'm Muslim now. My parents are afraid to ask, and I, I haven't built up the nerve to tell. Yeah, actually, like, thinking of it, we haven't got to the, uh, the opportunity to choose what religion we want to be or to follow, what country we are from, what even what our names. So everything is chosen by our family. So when it comes the time for you to choose, then it's your choice and that's why for me i didn't uh, i didn't push andrew to convert to islam at all i told him i would marry you even if you were still christian i don't i don't care because i love you as a person as who you are kafa moved from yemen and andrew from ravenswood and they now live in cairo Married. I've only been to Chicago once. I've been to New York, I think, twice. And so I'm not familiar with big cities to begin with. And then you come here to a huge city with the craziest traffic I've ever seen. But I, I guess having the, the interactions with Muslims before I left, with being able to, to meet with uh, masjids in, in West Virginia and, and Muslim people in West Virginia, it helped me get acclimated to the culture coming here because then I wasn't scared the first time I saw on the plane, you know, half the, maybe a, a third of the plane is full of women in complete burqas. Like my parents came to visit here and that was something completely new and like, what, what, what? For me, it was like, yeah, woman in, yeah, woman in a burqa, it's all right. Yeah, no need to run, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Again, there's more in common, it seems like, than there is not in common, especially with like Appalachia in general. There's a lot in common with Islamic Arabian beliefs from what I've been able to see so far, where like, at least with Yemen especially, strong focus on family, hospitality, strong focus on religion, greeting people generously as you meet them. Like you get onto a bus here and everyone greets each other with a hello, even if you don't know them. And how many times have you seen that play out when you're walking down the road, you don't know anybody, but everybody's waving at each other as they go down. Uh, you go to somebody's house, they do you want anything to drink, do you want anything to eat, even if you say no, they bring something to eat. So there, there's already so much in common. Kafa and Andrew hope to return to West Virginia in the future. It's our fair dream. Now with the, the travel ban, it seems very difficult, so it's... We had our hubs up, but then it didn't work. So we think of it and it becomes like depressing. So we don't want to think of it, like let it go and we'll yeah. see how, how it goes. So when the travel ban went into effect, what exactly affected you guys? We, our paperwork was pretty much just frozen. It was just done. We couldn't do anything. Everything was frozen. Waiting for five years, yeah. four years. Enough proof to know that our love is true, or to know that okay, it's like unconditional love. Like we want really to be with each other. Yeah. Make a paper trail to show that we're really in love, but yeah. that's that's the process. <laughs> it's perfect being together now. It, it made it all worth it because 
it was difficult when we were apart, but it was still one of those things where you, I didn't ever question, do I want to be with her? Is it worth it? It was always just, what do I need to do next to get her here? What What do I need to do next? How can we be together? And finally, getting back together was the best thing. <laughs> the best. <Yeah. laughs> Every time I listen to their story, and I've listened to it a lot of times while editing, my um, heart swells up in my chest, and it goes up through my throat and escapes in the form of hyperventilation because I just like can't handle how cute they are. And there are Kafas and Andrews all over Yemen playing their cards at love in a game that's rigged against them. A game puppeteered by superpowers with superpowers that deprive young romantics of their happy endings and number their days far too short. Now when I see a headline about Yemen, I think about Kaffa, and I can't help but wonder about the names behind the numbers, the stories behind the statistics, and the love dodging landmines in war times, daring to thrive in the face of devastation. And although this episode has been a bit mushy-gushy, it's important to consider that not all Muslims are kafas, and not all stories are as sparkly as hers. What about the people that we see on TV? What about Islam itself? Is it a religion of violence or peace? And how do we as Appalachians as people of a majority Christian nation, approach Islam. We'll dedicate the next two episodes of Sandstone to address some of these questions from both Christian and Muslim perspectives. We'll first hear from Joseph Cumming, a renowned religious scholar and the international pastor at Yale University. And in the following episode, we'll speak with the Imam from the local mosque in Morgantown, West Virginia. Next time on Sandstone. This podcast is supported in part by West Virginia University's Honors College and the Critical Language Scholarship Alumni Development Fund. The Critical Language Scholarship Program is sponsored by the U.S. Department of State with funding provided by the U.S. government. Thank you for listening.